Hello and welcome to the ARPT Comics Podcast, episode 201! We Holy did it! shit. We crossed the line! Damn. That's it! Do you know what this means? We're closer than ever to 300. <laughs> we are getting ever closer. Oh Every minute God. you listen to, we are a minute closer. I never thought I'd see the day, but we did, and it's today. It is today. It is yeah. today. Sunday. December Sunday, yeah. 11th. Yep, we're not recording this uh, at the end of a Friday when we're both slap happy. Yes, exactly. Uh, we're actually just extremely up to date on everything. But yeah, this is the 201 episode. Uh, if wow. you didn't listen to 200, I recommend you do. It's a great interview with Zeb Wells, Cody Ziegler, and Dan Slott. We talk Spider-Man, She-Hulk, etc. Uh, such uh, a fun time, for sure. But you know what? If you're not feeling like going back and you just want to go forward, we have Claudio Sanchez on to talk about My Brother's Blood Machine. It's out Man. December 14th. Great chat. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a total dream come true guest get uh, for the show. So I, I, yeah, this was a blast. Super chill. Yeah, he has a new horror comic coming out under mm-hmm. his own label. He touches on that. Talks a little bit about his songwriting process, collaborating with uh, Steve Niles and Andrew Ritchie. He also. Oh wait, uh, isn't he a part of a band or something? He is, in oh fact. He he talks a little <laughs> bit about the uh, solo record that inspired this album and uh, plans for the future for Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, so definitely check that out. This isn't the first time we've had a rock star on the show. No. And I, hopefully it won't be the last. Yeah. Mick uh, Jagger, if you're yes. listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine if Mick Jagger put out a comic? What would that even uh, be about? Z, what are you up to? <laughs> You know, you have to put it out there. It's like the secret. If you if you if you say Absolutely. it, believe it, it'll Absolutely. happen. This is these are facts that. No, I mean me. we we've had we've had Max Bemis on the show. We we've yep. had Joe Troman on the show. So eventually, yep. I'm just gonna I'm gonna collect them all. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> right. on the on the Warp Tour compilation I had. <laughs> We're gonna get Blink One Eighty Two and uh huh, Blimp Biscuit. Absolutely, Fred yeah. Durst. Can't wait. To I mean, see, he makes movies. Yeah. Maybe he'll do a comic. Maybe he will. Oh, that's right. This is a comic book podcast where we talk about the biggest news of the week. We review comics and we give our recommendations to later in the show. Claudio Sanchez joins us. But before we get to that, we recap the biggest news. I would say the biggest news of the week was DC announcing a new 10 issue miniseries called Superman Lost. Yeah, it's written by Christopher Priest. He's joining Carlo Pagulayan, who uh, he actually teamed up with him on his iconic Eisner-nominated Deathstroke uh-huh. series. It seems like it's the year of Superman at this point because, you know, we've got Action Comics hitting a milestone number. You know, we've got a new Kal-El book, big plans for the character uh, going into the future. We talked about a few weeks ago. And now we this Black Adam book. just recently. <laughs> that's true in the movies. Uh-huh. Spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, there's this new book that's not going to be part of the continuity of the other titles. Yeah. It's actually something that Priest has been cooking up for some time. Which and is it's, even more exciting. It, it's such a great uh, concept. Uh, Superman and the Justice League have been off on a space-bound mission. He comes back uh, very shortly later, but from his perspective, he's been gone for 20 years. And uh, he he comes back home, and his relationship with Lois, he just basically doesn't recognize anybody, right. anything around him. And so from her perspective, he's been gone for a few hours. And from his perspective, that was almost a lifetime Yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting that his son disappeared and then came back older. Sort of a similar <laughs> concept. But uh, right. 
Yeah, there's a full preview on AIPTcomics.com you can check out, um, which is pretty sweet since it's not out till March. The artwork is killer, yeah. too. Like, there's some really cool stuff Yeah, really cool here. stuff. It's very realistic looking. Kind of reminds me of, like, Gary yeah. Frank, maybe, a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Sure. Um, also in DC Comics news, the Shazam Lee Matters anthology is coming out. We This was actually Boy. announced a month or so ago, but they released some very coverage. Uh-huh. But this allows us to talk about it a little bit because Zachary Levi, that's right, Shazam himself yeah. is writing one of the stories along yeah. with some other actors. They're all writing their own stories in this anthology. Shazam Lee Matters. If no one makes an Urkel joke in this, that's a crime. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is so wild. I mean, most of the Marvel family is uh, is assembled here. Adam Brody, DJ Katrona, they're doing stories in the uh, anthology. We've also got stuff from Colleen Doran, Josh Trio, and uh, Tim Seeley. This is a, I mean, look, I love a pun. It's a terrible yeah. pun, but it kind of loops back around to being super right, fun. Right, which is the vibe of uh, Shazam, it, the movie. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I'm just excited. I really enjoyed the Shazam oh, totally. movie. So seeing these versions of the characters again is, is uh, very Yeah, they're welcome. also putting out all these variant covers. The month of uh, F- Shazam, Fury of the Gods is coming out, the sequel film. So yeah. DC is celebrating in a big way, like, you know, the big two usually March. does with their movies. Yeah, for sure. This Trav Moore cover. Yeah, there's really a bunch good. of really cool covers if you go to AIPTcomics.com. So this is a podcast and you can't see... What I'm saying. You cannot. <laughs> nope. Picture it in your mind. But you can pick up what we're putting Hell down. yeah. Moving on to some Marvel news. <laughs> Marvel has uh-huh. announced that our Wastelanders audio series is ending. <gasps> oh no. Uh, right. One b- final Right. Crossover. We've got Dr. Doom, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Wolverine, Star-Lord, all crossing over, as you just said, Duh, <laughs> in a 10-episode weekly series. Um, it's a yeah. audio drama, if you don't know, uh, fully casted with some big time actors. Yeah, it's bringing back everybody from the previous Wasteland stories. So we've got uh, Stephen Lang as Hawkeye, Timothy Busfield as Star-Lord, Susan Sarandon as Black Widow, which is like the most brilliant casting of all time. Totally, yeah. She's got that voice. She's so good in these, yeah. <laughs> She's got a voice. She's got a voice on what her. What if I just said it more generally? <laughs> I have actually not dipped too much into this. We did uh, uh-huh. interview Ben Percy, who did the Star Lord series. Yes, God, last summer. And I think um, so. Yeah. Wow. Dipped in a little bit then, and it's 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 a whole production. They've got sound effects, yeah. everything. It's not just yeah. These two are these are really well done. If you, if you liked Wolverine: The Long Night, uh, you know, yeah. those, those kind of it's they're really well done. Fully voice acted. Well, fully voice acted. They are radio shows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fully voice performed. Uh, yeah, fa- sound effects. Really great music. The whole deal. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder what they'll do next. Is my next question. Right. Like. Right. Have they have they done everything they can with Wastelanders? Or maybe the numbers aren't as good and they can try something else. I know they just did the um, Squirrel Girl one that Ryan North wrote. Oh, what a blast. Uh, you know, I feel like I would, I'd love to get more of that. But also, uh, you know, as we're ramping up for Across the Spider-Verse, maybe we can get a Spider-Man story. Uh, oh, yeah. Radio series. That'd that be, could be fun. Cool. Yeah, it would. And they, they could just mine all of those characters that Dan Slott's created over the 100%. Oh man, can you imagine a musical series starring the new uh, Disney princess Spider Woman? I... <laughs> yeah, I think maybe Bono should write it. Okay, well, <laughs> he had his chance. No more, Bono. You get your chance. And you don't some get more... to turn off the dark again. It's funny that we're talking about Spider Man because in our next bit of news, Venom is going to fight Doctor Doom. And yeah. yes, it is in a lopsided fight. Venom will win this battle. Uh, <laughs> sure. uh, David Michelini, who, of course, 
wrote so much of Spider-Man when we were kids yeah. um, is returning for Venom Lethal Protector 2. It's a yeah. sequel to the prequel. So it's right. Eddie Brock prior to the whole King and Black stuff and all the recent yeah. developments. It's 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 the Eddie Brock that is still figuring out his symbiote and is also uh, eating Hanging brains. Out in San Diego, he's still <laughs> eating brains. Uh, uh, Farid Karami is doing the uh, art on this. I, I'm really excited. I had a fun time with Lethal Protector. I, you know, I never expected to read a book again where Venom just does like scampy shit, like show up on a TV talk show and sit on the. That couch was a fun and... <laughs> moment. That was my favorite moment. I think that yeah. might have been one of your Kapow moments, but it's uh, it's so fun. Yeah, and obviously there are people already angry in the streets that uh, anyone could uh. think Venom could fight Doctor Doom, but you know it's going to be fun. Like you said, it's well, interesting. It's an interesting swing too, right? Because the first yes. story arc was like Venom and Sea Listers, and now it's sure. Venom and Doctor Doom. That's a that's a huge swing. It's super fun, and also like the thing that I love about Doctor Doom is that he is he's the Marvel Universe's villain, right? right like right, it's right. not that that's when he works best is when you're just like, well, let's see what he could do up against this guy. Right, right. Speaking of doctors, yeah, uh, do you know Doctor Strange is dead? Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> I never saw this coming. I thought he was going to be dead forever, even though Doctor Strange is returning with his own ongoing series in March 2023 with uh-huh. Jed McKay continuing to write. So if yes. you don't know, Doctor Strange died. Clea took over in a series called Strange. Which is Some fantastic. stuff happens that I won't spoil, but Doctor Strange yeah. will be back alive. And yeah. They've released some uh, Alex Ross cover art here, and Clea is like, I don't know, incapacitated, asleep, something behind Dr. Strange, who appears to be having the time of his life. Like, I guess he's running away. It's almost like he's running away from Clea. It looks like he's ripping straight out of the dark dimension. We've got the ancient one looming overhead. Uh, It's a great cover, uh, and I can't wait to see what Pascal Ferry has in store for the interiors. Yeah, it should be a wilder. I mean, I I think... In Jedi Trust, everything he's done has been yes. amazing. Uh, yeah, I I love Strange. Uh, yeah. that's that's just been like one of the most exciting books month to month for me that Marvel's putting out, and uh, they're again taking big swings. And so, I I have a feeling that even though we're getting Stephen back into the robes and Bleecker Street mm. where he belongs, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to just be business as usual. No. Yeah, no, because Jed's always, like, innovating and adding new ideas. Totally. Yeah, it's not like the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is Strange coming to an end, or, or will they be running concurrently? Do we know that yet? I, I don't know if it's been confirmed. I would guess okay. that Strange is ending. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But we'll see. Interesting. Uh, Nathan, you like the Marvel movies, right? I sure do. And you, you know like what comics. I, yeah, and I really loved the Marvel movies that were coming out a few years ago. If only there yeah. was more representation for those. I mean, I forget, like, didn't Thanos, like, I don't know, there was some I sort guess. of saga. Yeah, he said, uh, give me that glove. Oh, that's right. He was like, give me that glove. Then he slapped somebody with it. And it was like an old timey battle where they took that's right. 10 paces. Take and then that, shot. D'Artagnan. <laughs> So uh, Marvel has announced or revealed a few variant covers that are coming out in February for uh, to celebrate the MCU's Phase 3 Infinity Saga. So odd. Yeah. Though, right? So they've got their top artists on this. Mark Brooks is one of them. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it's our heroes preparing to, if not defeating Thanos in the Avengers Endgame movie on these yeah. covers. 
it's so weird though like we're doing phase three covers before we're right right before we enter phase five like it's it's just kind of <laughs> like there's a wa- there's a wasp variant cover that's ant-man and the wasp and ghost yes like right what are what that a villain that we've all forgotten ago. about right yeah maybe ghost shows up in thunderbolts though right so maybe that's yes uh, yes she does uh but you're it's right just, like it is very weird like it, it's an odd choice yeah i mean it would have made even more sense if these came out when the movies were coming out uh we've also got uh chunky thor but he's not necessarily chunky he's posed in a way where he seems yeah. a little more streamlined he's really not chunky enough and that's that's probably one of the biggest disappointments of the year right we yeah exactly (laughs) this random cover that i'll never think about again after (laughs) done with this news moving on to some comiXology indie comics news yeah comiXology is launching a new horror sci-fi called retroverse just next week actually um interesting that they like announce a book like days before it comes out but i guess you could do that with digital right right for sure this is part of a proven uh, creator like cullen bunn like mm -hmm. I, i know people will tune into that as well yeah, it's um, it's in, it's interesting that Bun's doing sci-fi. He's usually the horror dude, um, so uh-huh. I'm, I'm curious about that. There's a brief uh, preview on amptcomics.com if you want to check it out. It, there's an alien that uh, has a big mouth. Let me just say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of similar to the Superman Lost setup we were talking about a little while ago. Uh, this girl wakes up, 19 year old girl wakes up, and finds out that she's been dead for 13 years in this Mm. other universe and so Mm -hmm. she's trying to figure out her place in that world right uh, which is a a fascinating setup it is yeah and the art's pretty cool too i like the alien design yeah um (coughs) idw also revealed a radical shift of gravity is getting a feature film deal at hidden pictures Nice. Uh, just last week, we didn't talk about this last week because we had the uh-huh. special, but uh, IDW also announced six shows based off six of their comics properties. Yeah. And one week later, they follow up with a film deal. Like, what's IDW's hitting it out of the park, apparently. Yeah, they're pushing it. Yeah. Um, it's always good news, when, especially for indie publishers to get a movie deal, I think. Um, yeah. Like, for, there was a Vertigo movie. It was like just like a crime drama a couple of years ago, and... Oh, it yeah. Just, it was like a thrill to see the Vertigo logo on screen. Right. Uh, was, that, dead. was that Polar, the uh, the Mads Mikkelsen movie? No, wait. No. Oh, it was, no, um... uh, The Kitchen, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Good memory. Yeah, they, they, created a, <laughs> they created a graphic just for Vertigo films yes. and then used it for one movie and <laughs> shut down Vertigo. If I was the dude who designed that, I'd be like, damn. <laughs> right. Work, it will never cool. be seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, Radical Shift of Gravity is, uh, is a really good choice for a film adaptation. It's uh, really, you know, it, it's about, it's all about family. And, you're, uh, you know, let's be honest. You're a really yeah. good uh, subject matter for a film Oh, thank you. Adaptation. But we're not here to talk about me today. <laughs> Although I have been known as Stoneheart. Oh, really? That's interesting. Because in our next bit of news, Emma Kubert's Stoneheart is coming March 2023. Uh, Emma Kubert has uh, come onto the scene uh, in the last couple of years, but uh-huh. she got uh, some Star Wars work just a week or two ago with yes, Star Wars Revelations. Yeah. Um, this is another fantasy series from Kubert that uh, looks pretty interesting. There's yeah. a preview again on amptcoms.com. She writes and draws the book. Starring a lead character named Shade Whisper. And I'm just like, that is, <laughs> that's the kind of fantasy character naming that I am here for. We should interview her and see if like she has a D and D campaign and that's her character's right. name. Sounds like it, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it sounds like we're also getting some some cool sword and sorcery and time travel all in this one story. So uh, yeah, this is, on, this is on my radar for sure. If there's a hot tub, that would be the trifecta for me because that's what I'm the looking for in my machine. content. A hot tub, time travel, and fantasy. Yeah, all those three. Sure. I don't think there's any hot tubs in the next bit of news, but there might <laughs> when <laughs> well, it comes out. Who's to say? In 2023. Uh, Dark Horse, uh, if you don't know, has had a deal with Netflix for some time now with plenty of Stranger Things comics coming out. That's right. They've got a new one announced called Stranger Things Tales from Hawkins. Yeah. It looks like the the anthology series. Right. So Jodie Hauser's writing and it looks like, yeah, they're going to be dipping into different timelines. Uh For instance, we're going to see Eleven with hair, Eleven without hair. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Newer characters that weren't in the first season. Um, do you suppose yeah, they've mined of... every story from Stranger Things at this point or no? Possibly. I mean, I like the idea of seeing other, uh, seeing the first couple of seasons from other characters' perspectives. I think that's yeah. a really fun idea. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And they've got really great creators on this. Something they, that Dark Horse keeps doing is, um, exploring characters that aren't the main characters. Like, uh-huh. they had that one shot with these two police officers that I think are in a shot or something, but they, uh, yes, right, right. And, one of the covers for this appears there's two hunters that are running into a uh, Demogorgon who I believe are. Yeah. Like very briefly in the, the first season finale, maybe something like that. It's, it's, it's almost like, um, <laughs> it's like, like star Wars. It's like a random character. Uh-huh. That you can only see a half an inch of becomes like this in canon, like major character that like saved Han Solo's. Hey, yo, we, we want to know everything about the guy <laughs> with the ice cream machine in empire. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's always broken. Isn't that weird? Well, and, and it's so funny considering the, the next bit of news, but it's like, it's kind of like how the Hellboy universe has been built out with like, Oh, we're going to do an Abe Sapien series. Okay. Yes. Here's a mini series about lobster Johnson. Okay. Here's the guy who files the BPRD's taxes. Let's see uh Hellboy when he was 12. Now let's do 18. Now let's yeah. do four. 12 boy. That's what they should have <laughs> called him. Yeah. The, the, the uh, linear nature, nature of Hellboy or the lack thereof is, Ugh. it's is the biggest sometimes difficult stumbling yeah. block for me mm-hmm. getting into Hellboy at uh, 100%. I you love know, and I love the idea. I I'm in love with the idea of Hellboy, but not not necessarily the execution. And, and you and have like a romantic, how hard romantic, it is to find it, if not sexual relationship with Hellboy. The idea. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. So, long story short, we haven't gotten to the news yet. There is a Hellboy video game coming out yeah. called Hellboy Web of Weird with a Y. Yeah. Uh, it was announced at the Game Awards. Which you know all about because you were yeah, covering it for my for my day job. Yeah, this is uh, this is really exciting stuff. It, it's des- it's described as a roguelite action adventure, so I'm hoping we're getting like kind of Dead Cells style gameplay. Mm. Um, but the d- like the trailer that's been put out looks like you're moving through a Mike Mignola illustration. Like right. it is cell shaded. It's the the designs match the comic books. And Hellboy is voiced by Lance Reddick of uh, Resident Evil and John Wick fame. So I'm totally here for that. It looks really cool. It, I I am tentatively a little worried. I mean, what they showed wasn't a lot, you know? It was no, like, and, and tie-in games are always a little iffy, right? Right, yeah, because this isn't the first time Hellboy has had a video game. No, uh, no, there was uh, uh, Hellboy The Science of Evil, and I think there was another one that was... But they've never been particularly great. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
If you are a longtime listener of this show, then you know we've talked for well, about a year. Actually, a year ago uh-huh. to the day almost, Dark Horse was bought by Embracer Group AB. And That's right, yes. about a month prior to that, Dark Horse launched their own gaming division. Right. Anyway, Embracer Group AB is a giant corporation that bought a ton of companies in like a span of three weeks. And one yeah. of the companies they bought was a video game company called Crazy Labs, which they are not publishing this game. But right. we were anticipating a Hellboy video game at some point since there's all this IP and Mike Richardson, yeah. the editor or president of Dark Horse, kept saying, like, look at all this IP we have. We can turn this into video games. And it's starting. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's starting finally. Yeah. And Embracer Group is not done buying companies. Like, that's kind of like their no. thing. <laughs> they want to buy AFT. So- Oh, yeah? No. They're going to make a video game out of the podcast? <laughs> they are. They um, want to turn also, you into a character. I got to say, we don't have it on the... Uh, it's it's comics adjacent as well. We don't have it on the agenda, but it was announced during the Game Awards that uh, Kevin Conroy's final vocal yes. performance as Batman uh, was, has been record- or was recorded prior to his passing last month and um, will be featured in Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which comes out... Uh, next spring, I believe. Did they indicate how much uh, audio they got, or is it no, like... I mean, it, apparently he finished his performance, but it's unclear how much of a role he plays in the mo- yeah. in the game. Uh, but I'm so excited to to see what that is. I wonder how, how true that is. You know what I mean? Like, it's his final performance, but, like, I have this feeling that we're going to get more Conroy stuff, kind of almost like Prince, you know, like leaking out over decades. Uh, I mean, maybe. I I have a fe- I don't know. It's it's hard to say because there wasn't any there were no new shows in production full production at the time. I mean, part of me believes that he would have been the voice for The Caped Crusader, the show that Matt Reeves and uh uh Bruce Timm were developing, but I don't right. know if that was the, that was never confirmed. Um, but I I guess we will we'll find out at some point. Yeah. Oh, another Batman film news. Did you see everyone talking about Batman Beyond? Uh, there was a yeah. film that was in the works with Michael Keaton Possibly, as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know how much to believe on that because I feel like, yeah. I mean, that could have literally been a producer saying, yeah, I want to do it. And that's yes, it. <laughs> exactly. And James Gunn has said, like, there's a lot of stuff that's, like, been talked about but was never set in stone. So to say that it was canceled is not entirely accurate. So, right, right. I mean, at some point, well, there's going to be such a great tell all book or documentary about all the shit that went down at Warner this year. I hope like, so. Yeah. I, I have a feeling it'll all come out at some point. I mean, there's all that stuff about the Sony leaks from years ago. Right. I, I right. have a feeling we'll get a similar, you know, uh, at least a document that compiles all of it. Right. Like the Panama papers. Right. <laughs> that turned out to be nothing and no That's one right. cared, even though there was something there. Uh, yeah, I love it when this show gets political. <laughs> Absolutely. It happens all the time. We're, we're our next totally segment, equipped for it. Our top books that we're going to talk about are our top two favorite comics yeah. out this week. Nathan, what do you got for number two? Number two, I was a real big surprise. Big big fan of Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number one. Yeah. By, uh, I can't not say Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man. I'm fucking, uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, uh, yeah. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number one by uh, Cody Ziegler and Federico Vicentini. Uh, This reintroduces us to Miles. He's back in his old suit. He's having trouble. I mean, what I I, I saw a review that kind of put this perfectly is that we're kind of seeing Peter Parker in a different light in recent issues of Amazing. Yeah. So 
we've given Miles the Parker luck in a, in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, he's trying so hard to balance being a good human being and a good student and also not letting his family down, letting his classmates down. And it's that we talked a little bit with Cody about this last week, but there, there's a feeling of Miles wanting to prove that he deserves this just because he won a lottery to be at the school doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve it. Right. But the problem is, is that he's, he keeps finding ways of, he's not entirely sure of where to apply his passion. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, and so you've got all of this great character drama going on and, and it's, and it's such a relief that his, both of his parents know he's Spider-Man. So there's so much great, there's so many great conversations you can mine from that of them just being like, okay, well, when you're done swinging around and saving people, you are grounded. We just understand that there's also this greater calling, but you also can't have fun. So it's, <laughs> uh, and I, and I love that dynamic so much. And on top of all of this, Vicentini is drawing some of the best fucking action on oh the stands. Oh my stand. god. And Brian Valenza's yeah. colors are insane. Oh my god, gorgeous. And you texted me uh, when I when I said I just finished reading Miles, you said it should be illegal for a book to look this good. <laughs> like it's, it's not ins- fair yeah. to every other superhero book on the stands, but like there there there's this I mean Almost, uh, you talk about a page, uh, a book where I want to own every page, but specifically, like, this fight with Scorpion, there's, like, really great speed lines. It almost mm. feels kind of anime-inspired in, in, in points, in a good way. Like, it, there's just a real kinetic energy to every movement, and uh, the the web-swinging feels joyful, mm-hmm. which is such a such an important part of that that type of superhero storytelling. Uh, and I, I just, yeah, this was great. The, we, Spider-Man fans were spoiled this week. There were like six new Spidey books this week, and this yeah. was the best of the bunch for me. Yeah, there was Spider-Man. There was uh, Dark Web. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot to choose. I had the hardest time picking my top You did, this yeah. Week. Uh, I want to talk about all of them, but based on the law, I can only yeah. say two, uh, or right. I will be arrested. That's right. <laughs> it's the third law. Uh, the third law, that's right. Uh, my second favorite book of the week was Thanos Death Notes number one, which I'm totally yeah. surprised by. I didn't even know what to expect from this. It's an anthology, which features technically four stories. Um, <laughs> there's a bridge story that is um, not quite as focused on Thanos, but uh-huh. um, it's a, uh, it opens. It's a so it, there's a this bridge story um, is uh, written by um, uh, Tarun Grombeck, who has uh-huh. taken over Thor uh, of late. Right. And Thor is trying to figure out what's going on with Thanos because, uh, gosh, it feels like ages now, maybe a year ago now, there was this uh, vision that Donny Cates wrote into the book about Thanos taking over and heroes becoming zombies. Oh, and Thanos yeah, that's having, right. like the Infinity Gems, all this. So Thor's trying to figure it out. He goes to uh, Titan, where Thanos is from, and... Uh-huh. Finds this like office where there's like filing cabinets, which I found a little funny. It's like this alien world and there's like regular filing cabinets. Anyway, he's thumbing through these stories and each story is one of the stories in this book. Yeah. Uh, the first story is by Christopher Cantwell and Travel Foreman. It is so good. It's It takes us back to a, a point where there was a Thor robot, uh, sorry, a Thanos robot that was sent and Tony's trying to figure it out. And it's just so technologically advanced because Thanos <laughs> was so smart and so good. Right. Even at intelligence, that even Tony's having a hard time with it. And 
uh, not to spoil it too much, but this robot is basically like, how do you know Thanos didn't already win? How do you know you're not in a world where he is God and you are yeah. being controlled? And it is the way Cantwell writes this. It's so freaking trippy. It's like, holy crap, he's right. Like, yeah. If he what, had if, all the... what if every part of this is still part of the plan? Right. And if he had the Infinity Stones, you wouldn't even know it. Right. And he talks about how like anyone who even thinks of uh, going against Thanos are actually in a hell where he tortures them in, with blades. It's so fucking trippy and weird. Um, another story by J. Michael Straczynski and Jeff Shaw um, uh-huh. deals with uh, death. Death comes to Thanos and she's like, do you remember that time you were in love with somebody else? And it's like, ooh, oh, jealousy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, we go back to when Thanos is much thinner, less uh, bulky, <laughs> younger, of course. <laughs> and it delves into like him being in a romantic relationship and truly being in love and being a little more hopeful, a little more optimistic. And Straczynski totally recaptures like how Thanos thinks cutting the uh, population of the universe in half is a good thing and why why he believes it and why it actually makes some sense. Um, based on this uh, life event he has. And it's uh-huh. deeply tragic. So like you get this like really complex uh, Thanos that you can relate to. And then in the third and final story, uh, Kyle Starks and Ron Lim do a story which is basically showing us how Thanos is impossible to defeat uh, physically. And right. he's at a bar and an entire arm- armada that is... Uh, capable of destroying an entire world's armies is defeated by Thanos with his fists. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a really short story, but all in all, all these stories basically show you how, um, you know, Thanos is super smart, super uh-huh. strong, super scary and evil. Um, it's, it's really cool stuff. And I actually forgot how awesome Thanos was. Cause yeah, he's kind of been absent from Marvel for a while. And when he has popped up, it's, he's usually like, just like a side guy. He's not even the main villain anymore. That's true. Yeah. And it was just a nice reminder of like this, this villain rules. And I think it's a nice hint that we're going to get more of him in the future. And maybe he'll be more badass than ever. Awesome. Great pick. Uh, But what was your favorite book of the week? My favorite book of the week was fantastic Four number two by Ryan North and even Coelho. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, This continues the storyline of the Fantastic Four kind of uh, scattered to the winds. Uh, We we join Reed and Sue at a small town diner where they are accosted by a group of Doombots. And they are trying to figure out why these Doombots don't realize that they're sleeper agents, why some people in town are regular people and don't seem to notice the Doombots. And it all kind of leads into this mystery that is surprisingly heartwarming and well-written yeah. mm-hmm. and um it's all told from sue's perspective as she writes a, a letter to jen walters she hulk and it's basically like here is why my husband is my favorite person that's ever lived and it, it the, it's oh, yeah. so easy to kind of forget that there is humanity to read richards because so often he's written as sort of like this uh withholding you know kind of chilled kind of guy uh and and here you you see that she's like he's not he's not clouded by emotion which means that his compassion is impossibly vast (laughs) like so she he he's he he sees not only a, a chance for experiment an experiment but also a way to 
save people and and he sees every single life as sacred like artificial or otherwise and it's a it's just a it's such a good story and between this issue and last issue i am totally here for these sort of almost hallmark-esque snapshots filled with action yeah that uh that ryan north and, and even coelho are going for on this series and i man i this is the most excited i have been about the fantastic four in a long time yeah, so often they're written like, oh, here's a big cosmic story. Oh, here's a big yeah. cosmic story. And, and no shade to like recent runs or anything no. like that. But it is just, this is like, this is the the loving superhero family that I love so much. Like, right, I, I which just, it's so great. I think because we, I think we've more often than not seen Reed and Sue's relationship as dysfunctional. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, especially in recent years. I mean, with stuff like Fantastic Four Life Story, which is sort of like. Right. You know, built around the idea that like that it's this not sustainable over time. If you right. take away, you know, the elastic timeline of comic books, then these people are headed for disaster. And Ryan North seems to say, no, they're just gonna get better at being them. Right, right. Yeah, and it's it's so touching the the relationship touches that they do, but also like yeah, like the reflections on the Doombots what Dr. Doom potentially had done or why, right. why this, uh, this town is filled with doom bots. Um, yeah, it's so refreshing and yeah. it, it really hammers home how the Fantastic Four are unique from most superhero. Groups. Totally. Cause you know, I mean, there's, there's sort of heartwarming moments with some heroes, but most of the time, you know, Batman's grim. <laughs> sure. Peter well, Parker's the- always like having the worst day of his life. And the tone here, I feel like, you know, we're going to get a movie eventually, this is the template for me. Like I, yeah. I want to see, I want to see this vibe. Right. They have to get the first family right. Yes, absolutely. And so many times, and I don't think it's like you said, it's not bad, but like going right. big with epic tales is cool and all, but it loses sight of the fa- of the uniqueness of this group, which Ryan yeah. North clearly understands. Absolutely. Yeah, I, man, I, I, why isn't this on my list? I'm so <laughs> my it, list it still should can be. Miles. be. No, no, it's too late now for me. I have to move on. <laughs> uh, so my, you know what my favorite book of the week is? What's that? You don't know? No. Yeah, oh, I, you still haven't. You still haven't decided. I thought you were going to tell me. Oh well, your favorite book of the week was "It's Only Teenage Wasteland" number one. Oh man, is it? That's crazy. Yeah, written by Kurt Pyrus and Jacoby Salcedo. Um, yeah, I, I got to read this a while back uh, in preparation for the interview with uh, Pyrus. Right. Piers, um, uh, which we ran a couple weeks ago now, uh-huh. and uh, I got to read the first three issues, which is probably another dis- uh, advantage on my part. But uh, uh-huh. the uh, book is basically the first <laughs> issue is largely just a teenage drama. Um, yeah, with kids going to have a party. There's bullies. Um, Extremely well written too, like people dealing with different social hierarchies and yeah, and not really being sure that that weird thing when you get to high school and you're not sure your friends are your friends anymore. Right. Yeah. People are growing apart. Um, popularity is different for some than others. Totally. Uh, there's a, a bit of Ferris Bueller-ness, where, whereas the, <laughs> the main character is sort of talking to us. I think why this book really resonated with me, too, is just like the way the story is told. There's uh-huh. some interesting things here visually that you don't see in a, a conventional comic book every week. Right. Um, like these like very splashy um, captions that are just like a short sentence. Like, what about Fogelman? And um, they kind of break things up in an interesting way. So the story uh, is just always entertaining and interesting, even though it is kind of like 
you know, this rote sort of teenage drama that we have, we've seen in different iterations before until of course the cliffhanger, uh, which suggests right. something really weird in sci-fi is happening. Something terrible has suddenly happened. <laughs> it's definitely bold. They don't tell us what the hell is happening. It's just right. literally one page and then you have to read the next issue. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I can see how there's characters though. There. Yes, exactly. And uh, the, <laughs> Where the story goes from here is is interesting. Uh, I think yeah. Piers said in our interview something about um, it's like Mad Max, if uh, if you can believe it. So yeah, Ferris Bueller meets Mad Max. Go read Love that it. book. In our next segment, stand out. Kapow. Moment of the week, where we yeah. talk about our favorite panel or page of the week. Yeah. This is another book that I probably could have <laughs> had in my top two because I had yeah. so much freaking fun with it. Uh, Batman number 130 by Chip Zdarsky and Jorge Jimenez. There are so many cool moments in this book. Uh, a truly wackadoo <laughs> issue of Batman in like in like the best way. Like I yeah. mean that as a compliment. It is it is only com- only comics could pull this off. Uh-huh. Of uh, the first eight pages is Batman in space without a, a spacesuit. Yes, <laughs> he has a mask, I guess. Uh, no spaceship. And like literally like one chance of survival, and he jettisons himself to the earth. Uh huh. With just his costume on, <laughs> doesn't burn up. Kind of angles himself the right way so he doesn't burn. Yeah. Just like, but like at the same time, like it's so Batman. It's just so Batman. But oh, anyway, my... I mean, this is this is fully a scene from Justice League Unlimited. There's like a great scene. Oh where really? He, That's yeah, funny. ejects from the Batwing as it explodes, and then just very calmly. Like says over the radio, I need some air support since I can't fly. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's great. And and there's the way it ends too. Like so, like wackadoo. Um, yeah. But my favorite moment of the week is a moment where he's about to face off against Failsafe, this robot that he built that is like planned for any contingency to yeah. kill Batman if Meant Batman to take him ever, down. Yeah. Yeah. If Batman ever goes bad, Batman knew he would be the he would be able to defeat everyone. So he created a robot that could defeat him. Anyway. Right. And there's this moment where he's suiting up. We've gone through multiple issues of him, like, breaking every bone in his body. And Robin's like, Tim Drake's like, Bruce, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, this uh, this thing is designed to defeat Batman, but it doesn't stand a chance against Batman and Robin. Yes. I love it. I know. So- it's such a Batman and Robin will never die moment. Like, it yes. is. It's really great. That was that was almost my, my kapow if you hadn't picked this issue. <laughs> it was... Uh, it was such, a, and then they run into battle against a robot that it's literally the beat the crap out of Superman just a moment ago. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, what was your favorite moment? Uh, my favorite moment this week was from Do a Power Bomb number oh. seven. Uh, I gosh, I have loved this series from beginning to end, uh, and this—it's uh, all been leading to this a tag team match against God. Wow. Uh, in which our our lead characters are trying to. Uh, defeat God in order to get uh, their greatest wish uh, granted. Uh, this is a mother and, or sorry, a, a father and daughter tag team uh, who have worked through their issues, are fighting as a well-oiled team, and in my favorite moment of the week, uh, they managed to pull off their signature move, the sword sunrise, and drop <laughs> God to the mat. <laughs> wow. Uh, complete with some truly wild lettering from Johnson uh, of, of, the, of the announcement slash sound effect for the attack, uh, sword sunrise. 
it's just so crunchy. It's so uh, it's such a a, a, a sort of uh, rewarding moment. And Mike Spicer's colors just make every single bit of it pop. Yeah, what a touching issue too. Oh um, man, the best! I I have loved this series. I'm so I'm sad to see it end, but I think it's such a beautiful way to to bring it to a close. Totally, yeah. What a crazy moment. There's another moment a few pages later. They do uh-huh. another move that's pretty cool. The Gorgolas or something? Gorgon? I don't know. Oh, right. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, great pick, man. Thanks. <laughs> In our next segment, top books for next week, we're going to talk about our top most anticipated comic out next week. Uh-huh. My most anticipated book I've been anticipating for longer than I usually anticipate. <laughs> wow. That's because Danger Street number one by Tom King and Jorge Fornes was supposed to come out in the oh, summerish, yeah. I think. Forever got delayed, ago. which is totally fine. I mean, that happens. Give yeah. Fornes all the time in the world. These two, of course, coming off Rorschach, um, which it was a hit or miss for some, but I think Danger Street is such a wild swing. We've uh-huh. talked about it on the show a couple times. We're using some very random DC characters and Super propping them up yeah. in their own title. Fornes... Lady Cop is on the first page. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, there are characters in here that you will be familiar with, but there are characters you will not be familiar with, which is really cool to me. But at the same time, it's a maxi series that I think yeah. Tom King traditionally, or, or <coughs> over time now, has proven time and time again, he's very good at nailing. Like, yeah, that having that ending yeah. within in sight, not having to stretch a story... Um, yeah. an extra hundred issues or whatever for and sure. so yeah i'm just super pumped for this i i'm not i'm not a big dc guy like nathan is if you if you didn't know this uh, <laughs> i was a marvel guy my whole childhood never read no DC, I, but when we were talking about this book for the first time you were like who's this guy and i was like that's Starman. that's the blue star man michael thomas <laughs> <laughs> is that a real thing i just make that up no it's michael thomas <laughs> oh okay because i don't even know <laughs> see i still yeah. don't know I know Creeper's in there. That's pretty cool. That's right. Yeah, there's some great, uh, some great characters in this. I've really loved King's um, Gotham City Year One too. So I'm, I'm, yeah, on, I'm, I'm on board so for all King right now. How about you? What are you looking forward to? I, uh, I'm gonna give props to our guest this this week, but uh, I'm really looking forward to my brother's Blood Machine Number One by Claudio Sanchez, Steve Niles, and Andrew Ritchie. Uh, this is a uh, a horror story inspired by the likes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It takes place in a small town, and people are going missing on the edge of town, and people are kind of uh, trying to pin the blame on somebody who may or may not be involved. It's uh, it's it it kind of digs into how uh, lines are drawn in these kind of small towns where everybody knows each other, but nobody necessarily trusts each other. Nice. Um, yeah. I think uh, Richie does this really great job with uh, the the faces are so distinct in this book. Like they're so expressive and also like you can see a guy. There's a there's a character that appears very early on and I'm immediately like, well, he's the most evil person I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and then he also gets to do some really great uh, horror and gore effects and stuff, which is uh, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere, but is also nicely kept in the shadows for the most part they're building yeah. a really interesting mystery and i mean steve niles uh, w- one of the one of the horror comics greats right yeah yeah at this point for sure uh, so this this whole this whole team is is working really well together apparently the whole series is already in the can so uh i'm i can't wait to see where it goes from here i've already read it <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you just, know uh, so i uh i but i'm, I'm very excited yeah, it's really good. It's, it feels like a like a seventies horror to me. 
Yes, a, yeah. a vibe that is very rare to find. Uh, I, th- and, I think in yeah. the interview we mentioned like Phantasm, Texas Chainsaw. There's yeah. a little bit of like yep. Motel Hell kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I really dig it. You know what I dig? Oh, my next segment. Judging by the cover, Junior. Oh yeah, yeah. It just came up. We just the two hundred and first of these. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a good question. I think we have done this for every episode. <laughs> there's, there's some uh, maybe. segments. Oh, that's below. true, right? Uh, oh, it has to be because that's our feature image art. We've only <laughs> done like 80 Kapows. That's true, yeah. Kapow is a, a little bit newer. Uh, that's more like Homo sapien, whereas judging by the cover, Junior is Tyrannosaurus Rex. Ah, uh-huh, okay. You see what I'm saying there? See what yes, I'm laying down? Of course, of course. Uh, my favorite cover of the week is Dark Ride number three by Andre Bresson, who's also the uh-huh. main artist on uh, Dark Ride. Yeah, and this is one of the spawn covers. So if you don't know this, Image <laughs> Comics is going nuts with these spawn covers. The most yeah. ridiculous combos you've ever seen. But in this case, this one um, is so good. It's, it's so good. <laughs> it is so well drawn, so detailed. If you go to apgcomics.com, go to the podcast post, you can see it in yeah. full. But Spawn has got his arms on. He's just like, hell yeah, let's let's go let's or go. take me on. Behind uh-huh. him is a, a, I think they're actually on a, I think they're supposed to be on a ride, maybe. A flaming roller coaster, it looks yeah. like, yeah. The three main demons, or I don't know, we don't actually know what they are yet, because they haven't been revealed yet, but I think they're real life hellish demons. Uh-huh. Uh, but they're also the mascots of this horror theme park, are sitting right. in, or sitting or standing in front of him, like anticipating what's coming next, blood dribbling down their faces. They look scarier here than they have in the book uh, so far. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love like the little detail in the chain um, holding uh, Spawn's cape together. Uh-huh. Like it, you just see, there's a little bit of movement there. Obviously, the cape's moving, but the cape feels alive and like full. It's not like made of cloth. It's like made of I don't know blood or something. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, it's just the way it makes your eyes go straight down the middle to Spawn's face and then down back back to the uh, the uh, roller coaster is just really yeah. cool cool effect it's so good and the and the cape looks thick like it's got yeah. like almost like a leathery vibe to it yeah or, it's really yeah, neat it's great or vinyl yeah yeah it's just a reminder of spawn the, the costume design of spawn is so good it's great we, and there's a reason they've a never movie. really redone it <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh what was your favorite cover uh man it's a spawn week Hell i yeah. went with batman spawn number one specifically uh the gabriel del Otto variant uh, this is a sort of very almost realistic uh, spawn with uh, a very detailed, ridged design. Uh, his his face almost looks like armor, and and I just I just love how uh, gritty this whole thing looks. Sort of popping out of what almost looks like a lava flow or fire, and Batman is perched behind him. Yeah. Uh, amidst the, all the, you know, the chains and hooks that come with hanging out with Spawn. Um, <laughs> and I'm a big fan of when Batman scowls and his cowl also furrows. Like, it's oh, just sure. a very tactile kind of cover. You can, you can almost, uh, you can almost smell the leather on the page. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's just so dope. There are so many great variant covers for this special oh that's coming out next week. It's like fifteen. Uh, the uh, the Jorge Jimenez po- uh, cover is gorgeous. Uh, Todd McFarlane alone has like two or three covers. Um, 
yeah, there's some really, really great stuff. But uh, this one just stood stood out to me. Uh, not only because it, it looks beautiful, the colors are great, very painterly quality to it, but also on League of Comic Geeks, on the uh, the listing for this cover, mm-hmm. the top comment is from someone saying, I hope they kiss. And now I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Gabriel Delato's art is so good. Yeah. One time I was like, I want to own some of his art. No, yeah. no, I can't afford that. Nope. Uh, yeah, I, I've, <laughs> I have also looked into it. <laughs> yeah, he must use oil or, or something. I, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, so nice. Is- it's so pretty you know what else is pretty uh this interview with claudio sanchez we're talking my brother's blood machine and more out december 14th enjoy so on with us we have claudio sanchez writer musician renaissance man thank you so much for joining us today on aapt comics podcast oh thanks for having me yeah, man, uh, we're we're super excited. My Brother's Blood Machine out December 14th from Evil Inc. To start off, if you can give us our, give our listeners, what's the elevator pitch for My Brother's Blood Machine? You know, this is where I, I fail. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> I mean, for years, I've been trying to pitch like any of the properties. Um, and I get into these situations where I just feel so uncomfortable trying to uh, condense the story down. And so that's why nothing's ever been adapted. But, uh, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it's really just a, uh, it's a period piece. It's a horror science fiction or not science fiction. It's just a horror story, really a slasher, um, that involves, uh, you know, a girl that's sort of being abused at home and sort of runs away and stumbles upon a secret that's been laying dormant, um, in the town of Margaretville, where she's from. Uh, so, yeah. You uh, you released an Ashcan of the first issue at San Diego Comic-Con. What's the response been like so far? So far, so good. I mean, you know, the story the story has been sort of floating around for several years now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I put out this record uh, of the same name and, uh, you know, and I, and I had, I, basically said you know this is as as coheed this sort of comes with a with a conceptual counterpart and um but i never acted on actually adapting it and so you know through the pandemic i just found i had time uh and a pretty detailed outline um to to sort of execute it and uh and so now that it's actually happening you know fans of that record fans of the you know the proposed mythology that has been laying behind it seemed to be really excited. Um, awesome. So, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the original record, if I can tip my hand a little bit, uh, is one that means quite a bit to me personally. Oh, cool. uh, so I was, I was very excited to, to see this making its way to comics. And um, I was just wondering, like, so the original album is conceived as sort of a side story to the Amory Wars. Like, do any of those connections still exist in the adaptation or is this more of a standalone? It's more of a standalone. You know, when I had proposed it that those those years ago, I mean, the Emory Wars was still kind of fresh. I mean, I think we had we had just worked on the third story, the fourth part. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I was trying to find a clever way to tie them in, you know, utilizing the character of Inferno because that character passes in the fourth mm-hmm. story of the uh, Emory Wars. Um and so, uh, so yeah, so I, I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can sort of have him as the narrator. And when I started to outline the story, it just felt forced. I was like, you know, this is a, you know, I don't want to just 
just force this into this story and, you know, accidentally kind of destroy it, if that makes any sense. Sure. Um, you know, because uh because yeah, I just I just wanted the story to sort of live on its own. And uh and I think it's for the better. Um mm-hmm. so so yeah. So yeah, so people are able to kind of come into this one fresh without the extra baggage of this uh, other narrator and and all this backstory. Yeah, and you know his when I originally conceived the idea of Inferno's, um, you know h- him being a part of it, it was mm-hmm. very small. You know he wasn't a main player. It was like in my mind, it was like this guy rolls in on a bicycle, sits at a bar, and tells somebody the story of the blood machine. You know sure. that was like it. And see you later, Inferno. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I just thought that uh, let's you know whatever. That was just not. It was, it was an idea, you know, and it and it totally is an idea. Uh, what made now that the right time to release this comic? There was so much time, uh, you know, just hanging around, finding things to do through mm-hmm. the pandemic that, uh, you know, I can't I stumbled upon the outline. I mean, you know, I say that, but, <clears throat> you know, I was writing a couple of records and uh, right. You know, so it was uh so was there time? Mm, I mean, <laughs> the outline was there. So there, uh, there's time if you're a workaholic. <laughs> right, right. But uh, you know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty well um well well written out in terms of the outline stage that I mm-hmm. I thought, you know, we've been talking about potentially bringing on other writers to uh to help make some of these other story ideas I've had had uh kind of floating around uh come to life. You know, because again, I just, you know, my wife and I are very much consumed with the Amory Wars, like, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the Coheed and Cambria arc or the Vaxis arc, like mm-hmm. that is really the, the thing that takes up most of our time. So, you know, these outlines are lying around. So we thought, you know, this is a good one to try to play this experiment with. And, uh, you know, so we um, got Steve Niles to to help really script it and put yeah. it together. So. Yeah, what was yeah, what, the collaboration like with Steve Niles? I know he's like a horror guru in comics at this point. Right. Well, um, you know, years ago I met Steve about potentially doing something together uh, mm-hmm. through a mutual friend. Um, and uh, nothing ever came of, of it. Um, you know, again, we're both very busy. And I think if this this was a good time. So, you know, I basically just sort of handed over this outline and was looking for someone to sort of script it and give it his like uh flair and then um you know and we just kind of went back and forth with the scripts and then uh when it came time to to actually um you know finalize uh the text um you know there were some things that I would like add to help kind of um enforce the 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 mythology of of the characters of Butchie and and mm-hmm. And uh, long arm and and their relationship to the blood machine, and like we're getting we're getting vibes of like classic horror flicks like Phantasm, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, when you when you were talking about plotting this out, what were some of your inspirations behind the setting and, and the tone of the story? You know, I think Texas Chainsaw is one of my favorite um, horror movies of all time because, and you know, I thought they did a pretty good job with the new uh the new one um just because you know sometimes i look at the character of leatherface and i think of it more as a as a 
you know, you know, he is the way he is because he was sort of nurtured that way. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel yeah. like he could have been any anything. And 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 so in that weird sort of way, I have sympathy for the character. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, and uh and so that's that was a big a big influence for me when constructing the brothers. Mm -hmm. Um because in a way you know, they're the way they are because of proximity, because of the way mm -hmm. they were taught and not, you know, you know, that pretty much that. Also, you know, a big one, when I think about it, you know, the the archetypes of those characters, you know, I think of like, you know, uh, of Mice and Men. Mm -hmm. I think of Pinky and the Brain. Um, you know, th these are definitely... Um, you know those kinds of things; those kinds of archetypes definitely play into yeah. uh, the characters of Butchie and Longarm. Um, yeah, and uh, but yeah, that that those were big influences. But as far as horror goes, Texas Chainsaw is probably the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you one of the things that I love about this first issue is that the 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 killers are sort of kept in the shadows. Mm. We're not getting like a big you know big reveal just yet of the brothers. And at this point, even those people are being you know, butchered out in the woods. The scariest person in the first book is Mr. McLeod. Oh, you know, hell the, the... yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, that's the real evil. Right. Right. And, uh, and again, that's, that's part of, you see, as it unfolds, like mm -hmm. my sympathy for long arm and butchie, because in a way they, not to spoil anything because they definitely aren't, but they have a moment of redemption. They have a moment where they're, they're like, oh wow, are, are mm -hmm. they the heroes? Like, um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, Arthur McCloud is absolutely the a villain. Yeah, so. I'm. I mean, there's that. It's the kind of thing where, like you're saying, there's there's nurtured, misguided evil, and then there's chosen evil, and and that's one of the things that really I think comes across in this first issue. Right on. Yeah, I think I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, you know when as we get into later issues mm -hmm. and we discover the origin of the characters, um, you know, cause there is a moment of flashback. There are several moments of flashback mm -hmm. where we sort of get, um, you know, an idea of, of, of who they are, like why they're the way they are. Um, yeah. The first Fantastic. issue does a good job of like setting up potential threats in the woods. Uh, the ending is deeply satisfying because you get some crazy, uh, <laughs> crazy stuff and, and crazy gore <laughs> violence. I mean, who's to say they're not just, you know, local butchers that are <laughs> taking right. their job too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Checking their knives. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's funny. You know, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun when kind of making, you know, Butchie is really the mouthpiece mm -hmm. of the of the brothers and you know, I didn't want them to come across as, you know, the typical in the woods, you know, right. yeah. abandoned type. Yeah, right. So so you see as as the as the issues happen and you get more of Butchie's delivery, mm -hmm. you will get a reason as to why he delivers his lines the way he does, because he is taught that way mm -hmm. um just by by watching someone, you yeah. know, by being fixated on, on, uh, on this thing that really kind of leads them into making the blood machine. And so, yeah. 
Yeah, it's big, uh, kind of Mr. Croup, Mr. Vandemar from Neverwhere vibes, just sort of like these oh, two cool. sort of eloquent. I mean, he's very eloquent for, uh, and I, I love the I love the lettering for their dialogue. Like it's very it's very jagged, very creepy. Uh, kind of gets under your skin even more than the gore does. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Andrew Ritchie's work is mesmerizing too. I can't stop looking at these faces. Uh, right. What was the process like getting him on board? Oh, so, you know, during the pandemic, I joined a virtual, uh, a remote Dungeons and Dragons campaign with a oh, couple nice. of guys out in uh, Lancaster. Um, I'm actually in Brooklyn, but uh, mm. a friend of mine lives out there in Pennsylvania, Lancaster and uh, Lancaster. Um, and uh, one. Is of, that how you say it? I think Is it's it? Lancaster. Yeah. Lancaster. OK. Um, <laughs> uh but so the group was a was actually a bunch of illustrators, tattoo mm -hmm. artists. Nice. Um, and one of the fellas, Jared Cody Wolf, um, mm -hmm. who is an illustrator, uh, in one of the D and D campaigns, he had you know because I was talking about doing this this book, and and he had brought up um, Andrew Ritchie's work from from some story that he had kind of stumbled across. I mm -hmm. think I think maybe Steve actually wrote it, and um, and that's what. That's what got me into Andrew's stuff is because it just felt really, you know, mm -hmm. weird. And and yeah. and for me, it like I even said to him when we were talking, I'm like, you know, for some reason I got have you guys you remember the Nirvana record Incesticide? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It had like Kirk oh, yeah, like painting totally. on on it. And and for some reason, like Andrew reminded me of if Kurt Cobain illustrated comics for some I reason i don't know why huh. that no, like, I, I can totally into see that. my mind yeah. and uh and so i just thought it was perfect yeah um you know and i also liked his color palette though he mm -hmm. didn't he didn't color the book it definitely inspired mm -hmm. uh the colors um so so yeah, yeah it's got this very vintage feel i was i was describing it to a friend as like the darkest carpenter's liner notes you've ever seen like sort of like like a carpenter's <laughs> album <laughs> nice that's yeah. awesome <laughs> claudia what uh character are you play what, what type of character are you playing in dungeons and dragons uh i was a barbarian uh mm -hmm. dwarf barbarian nice um and my character's name oh man it's been a minute uh thorgath he was as far as as the man. uh as far as everybody, they started to call me like the emo dwarf because I was so sensitive for like a barbarian dwarf. Uh -huh. um, you know, I had this whole story about how uh, this uh, neuromancer imprisoned my wife inside my inside my heart. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so I was Thorgath Prison Heart. That's the and so I was looking for this uh, neuromancer named Bashashar. Um, to basically kind of lift this curse. But like every time something happened, like I got mad emotional because I saw <laughs> like sure. some resemblance in this curse that's like, you know, plaguing me. Sounds, um, I don't know. <laughs> was your alignment good then? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dave's Dave's the D&D &D player, the two of us. <laughs> it's one of those things I have always been fascinated by and just never taken the time to like dive into it you thought you'd think i would have in 2020 when i was you know home all the time but yeah, yeah. right it's, <laughs> it's tough to play over zoom too i i did about a year of it because of the pandemic and like you know what was that what did you say and uh, david it's your turn <laughs> right. why are you eating pizza over the corner <laughs> right <laughs> i i enjoyed it you know it's funny my, i only you know my only 
in-person D&D experience happened when I was like in third grade. And I didn't mm -hmm. realize it was D&D I was playing. So, so when I was done, I was like, where do I buy this board game that this person oh, had like wow. created? <laughs> you know, uh, right. Um, so uh, do we have to yeah. hire a guy to like run the game? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you gotten a page back that's blown you away so far in the first issue or coming up? Like when, when you're taking a look at the, the early pages? There's a lot of them. One of them in particular that I love is in one of the later issues. And uh, it just has this um, shining Jack Nicholson break through the door kind of vibe to nice. it. Though, though uh, you know, it, it, that one in particular, like I, I come across it a lot and mm -hmm. think, oh, wow, this would make a great shirt or something. But just because sure. I love seeing the, the characters in that way. So you've got uh, you've got. Uh, Blood Machine merch on the Evil Link site right now as well, right? We do. I think I think so. I think like a basically just sort of the logo to not give away too much too right. much of the story, but um, but yeah, nice. As a six issue series, as we know from talking to so many people about comics, comics get made over months, if not years. Uh, I'm curious, how far along is the series for scripting and drawing? It's done. Oh wow, it, drawing too. You're all of it. I wow. want a good spot. <laughs> yeah, because I've, I've made sure, you know, I've had issues in the past where, you know, we've had, you know, delays and sure. I just didn't want that for yeah. this book. And I really don't want that for any book. So, mm -hmm. right. um, so I tried to give Andrew as much time as he needed to illustrate it and not feel like pressured. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, that's it's all done. Awesome. Lettered. Yeah, that's awesome. Any idea how long we'll wait for a you know compendium after the whole thing's out? I hope not too long. Um, you know, maybe a couple of months. I'm not sure. Nice. You Sweet. know, so I also I also started. I had this idea. Um, so during the pandemic, I, I mm -hmm. purchased this uh, this instrument called the Apprehension Engine. It's uh oh, it, it, it's like a it's like a night. They call it the Nightmare Box. If you look it up, it's the Apprehension Engine. It was created by both of uh, those sound like one of your song titles. <laughs> oh right, right. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a beautiful instrument. It was created by Mark Corvin. He had a a, a luthier. Um, commissioned to make it and he's the same he's the composer that did the the music for like the witch and the lighthouse right and so yeah. you know there's not many of them in the world i think you need to like you know put in an order for them but i i stumbled across one on reverb and i purchased it yeah and i got so oh there it is oh I yeah got, i was just looking it up i got so into this that I started to think oh man maybe i'll create sort of an ambient album that will accompany the blood machine book um yeah. of course you know things happen and i it uh i couldn't finish it in time but i'm considering doing it for the collection so we'll yeah. see that's awesome that looks so cool it does um so switching gears a little bit next year is the 20th anniversary of in keeping secrets of silent earth congrats like, oh thanks <laughs> what do you have planned to to celebrate that milestone you know i have no idea yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think we've we've talked about uh, potentially reissuing the vinyl. Uh -huh. um, you know, now that Atmos is sort of a thing, like the the yeah Atmos mixes. Uh, that's something that's getting talked about. I actually just did one yesterday for Vaxus Two in nice. uh, Manhattan, which was really fun. Um, but yeah, like uh, 
That's about it. I mean, we have the Neverender cruise that's happening mm -hmm. at the uh, later part of next year um, that will be in celebration of of Silent Earth. Um, but that's all I know of at the moment. Right on. Um, and I mean, for following the chronology of of albums, uh, any current plans to continue? I mean, I hate to ask about the second baby while one's coming out, but like, <laughs> any current plans to continue with a No World for Tomorrow miniseries? Oh yeah, we've so my wife and I have scripted all twelve issues. Oh, that's great. The, yeah, so uh, right now we're going through the edits. Mm -hmm. um, so we're up to issue three. Um, mm -hmm. So we try to make Wednesdays our edit day, okay? Um, just to make sure for continuity, because a lot of um, No World for Tomorrow, um, you know, it it it's the end. It's the end of yeah. the Coheating Cambria portion of uh, of the Emery Wars. So um, and it really links up a lot of a lot of all of the stories but but really kind of uh the first one which is you yeah. the black rainbow which is you know the 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 origin story of co eating mm -hmm. cambria so for those who have that novel um so that's that, yeah that's something we're we're uh we're trying to complete now as well as potentially finding somebody to adapt that novel year the black rainbow right into, into comics so we can have them both kind of come out at the same time because they're very much related yeah. um and sort of uh are the are the connecting thread between all of the stories and you're the black rainbow the the novel was co-written with peter david correct uh yes it was so that's got some comic book bona fides right there absolutely <laughs> right right on for sure um yeah so are, i mean are, i guess it's probably too early to say but are you talking with anybody about illustrating no world for tomorrow i loved rags morales's work on uh good apollo me too, absolutely. Um, you know, we have um, mm -hmm. at this moment we can't really announce who that artist totally. is, uh, but we're hoping that illustrating will start at the top of the year. Awesome. Um, so, so yeah, that's exciting. Nice. You've talked about so many projects already, but are there any other projects you're working on right now you'd like to talk about? Well, the Vaxis, you know, the Vaxis books, which is more of an illustrated novel as opposed mm -hmm. to, uh, you know. Um, like a like a standard graphic novel or mm -hmm. comic. Um, those I'm I'm really excited about. Uh, for anybody that wants to participate in those, um, you know, because Vaxis is like the the deeper we get into that story, the more we're going to start seeing how that connects to the Amory Wars, mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm really thrilled about it because I think Part Three is going to be. Um, that's what I'm working on at the moment. That's why yeah. all these synthesizers are everywhere. <laughs> I mean, not that that's the feature, but uh, this is the writing room. So, um, nice. so yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I, I'm really excited about that. There are a couple other comic book ideas I've had floating around, mm -hmm. um, outlines, you know, one for Kia Z2, uh, potentially turning that into a trilogy. Um, I have a couple of other random ideas, but again, like time is just, you know, I kind of hoping I could find somebody that could help script those. Sure. Um, you know, because again, Chandra and I are are very much uh, entrenched in in Amory Wars and just yeah. really trying to fi finish that. Um, I know the the Vaxis novels; those were available in the deluxe edition of the records, right? Is there is there an opportunity to purchase those separately in the future, or is that right now? We've actually oh, we've actually printed them. Uh, so yeah, so you don't have to, um, you could just get the stories. Sweet. Yeah. So awesome. I think they're available on evil, on evilink.com. I'm pretty sure. Fantastic. 
Well, um, we have uh, one more segment that we'd like to do on here, our off-topic top shelf. Uh, do you Is there anything you're into right now that is not comic book related? A hobby, a record you're spending a lot? What, what are you... What are you enjoying when you let yourself relax? <laughs> right now it's God of War. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just picked it up last night. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's so good. Yeah, that's what I that's what I've been when I'm not working. Um, that's what I've been playing at the moment. That Modern Warfare 2, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of Elden Ring. Um, but at the moment, God of War is is the thing that that when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing is <laughs> <Sure>. that. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, that, you know, and aside from that, it's just, uh, the other thing is my son is mm -hmm. into Harry Potter at the moment. So yeah. I've, I haven't seen all of the movies. I think I've seen the first two. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're, we're in the stage of reading the books. So we read the books, we finish a book, and uh, we watch a movie. And mm -hmm. this weekend, we actually we're actually flying down to Florida to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, oh, so he right can on. run around and get his Harry Potter on. The so Diagon he... Alley area is so cool. I've gone oh, like three yeah? times. Yeah. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of becoming. I'm kind of into it. You know. Yeah. I, I. You know. I don't know. I haven't seen all the movies. It's funny. Uh -huh. I, I. I don't know how they end. But a friend of mine, the other day. I mean, I'm like whatever. I mean, it's. That it's happened, and I'm surprised right. that I don't know how it ends. But somebody had like <laughs> threw something at me that I was like, I was like, wow, I'm so I can't believe that it took till now for some for that to get thrown at me. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> that's funny. That was like um, me finishing Twin Peaks like two years ago and just being like, oh, I just somehow didn't know any of this. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, is he at the age where like? He's so you're reading the books, then you're watching the movie, right? And mm -hmm. then he's is he is he able to be like, well, that's not how that happened in the book, or is he is he oh. pointing out adaptation flaws? <laughs> no, no, he's not. He's not just doing in that. for the ride. Yeah, <laughs> right continuity <on>. editor. <laughs> well, man, thank you so much for joining us for, uh, on, on the podcast today. This is this has been a blast. Oh, thank you. This was cool. Um, My Brother's Blood Machine is out December 14th, 2022 from Evil Inc. You can pre-order the book now, correct? Yes. Very uh, cool. Through Evil Inc.'s website. It's a really good first issue. I, I yeah. Oh, it. thanks. And that there's too. some really there's some really dope uh, variant covers you can get on, on the website as well, I saw. Oh, yeah, true. True, true, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Thank you for having me, fellas.